0: The coronavirus pandemic has put teachers in insecure positions. Week to week, they may not know what format their school will take on and how that will force them to change the way they teach their classes and communicate with their students. Hopefully though, after adapting at this point for many, many months, they're getting used to it. Still, I bet you could ask 10 teachers their stories and get 10 different answers. Their stories may differ based on where they're teaching, what they're teaching, or something else entirely. A couple weeks ago, I spoke to a journalism teacher whose stories I thought were prime examples of what colleagues in his field, media, are going through right now. Sunny Hills High School in California actually allowed his students this fall to group up in person, after hours of course, to produce two digital print editions or what's left of a traditionally invaluable group activity in the journalism education field, one that's been completely taken away from so many others. He hopes to be allowed to do that again this semester, but the future is definitely uncertain. We talked about tracking down sources virtually, the boundaries in journalism that have been built by this pandemic, and the politicization of schooling and so, so much more. This is Journalism 101, I'm Alex McNamee and this is my interview with Tommy Lee, the advisor to the accolade at Sunny Hills High School. So please take your seat, class is now in session. Tommy, thanks for being here Uh, again, obviously. um, It's a weird uh, school year, or it's been, I guess, a weird year and a half even. I mean, this kind of started, this pandemic kind of started back in in March, I guess, uh, when things started to shut down. But set the scene for me a little bit of of like, where are you at right now? And kind of what is happening in your school day right now?
1: Well, right now, this is the beginning of our spring semester. And we're now, um, let's see, three weeks, three or four weeks into it now. And um, our, di- our district has decided to go back to distance learning this semester. So we've been doing distance learning since final exam week actually from last semester until now. And uh, but before that, like around the first week of November, we, went, we did a hybrid, hybrid uh, model. And in which um, you know those students who wanted to be on campus would be on campus, but they were divided up into two different cohorts or groups. Uh, the interesting thing about um, my campus and the, the culture of students that we have, we have like around 30% or more like Asian students. And so uh, a lot of their parents were very, it seemed like they were more, more leery or they, they figured that if their kid is able to handle distance learning at home, might as well just keep them at home. So. So for my um, journalism staff, my accolade, news, um, advanced journalism staff, I only had like you know no more than two people um, in one one of the groups for two days a week, and another two people in another group, you know, um, two days a week, and one of those two being my daughter. So my mm-hmm. oldest daughter is also on our staff, and so but yeah, and, and we had to um, you know do our, our our meetings over Zoom primarily through um, all my classes still. But then uh, during our, we, produ- we were able to produce two uh, PDF issues uh, instead of like distributing them because it's hard to do that because no one's, not many people are on campus anyway. Right. Uh, the student in chief opted to um, do uh, PDF issues to di- distribute electronically to have it posted on our school website and also on our own uh, online website. <laughs> and uh, so the good news is that they were willing to come after school. And the school administrators were willing to let them come after school to do our production uh, days for that one week before the issue came out. So that worked out. Um, so, so at this point now, um, we're trying to work on our first PDF issue of the um, spring semester. It's scheduled to come out at the end of January, the last Friday of January. But uh, we, the challenge we're facing is uh, our principal told our editor-in-chief that um, at this point, they may not be allowed to come on campus after school because of the rising numbers of uh, positive COVID-19 uh, mm-hmm. cases, and so they're working on trying to get them access to the apps that are required to uh, put together the PDF, like InDesign Adobe Creative Suite, basically like InDesign, Photoshop, like that.
0: So. Okay, so that's the the uh, administration's being really flexible as far as get trying to get them access to those programs from home. Then,
1: um, well, we've been asking for that since the beginning of school year. So mm-hmm. since fall, yeah. knowing that we faced this, it. but it's an issue of it's it's all bureaucracy, you know. So they they thought they were going to try to do it in, independently, but then the the district's tech side took it over. But then nothing was making progress with that. The principal decided to take it back over and see if we can. Purchase it just for like our editors
0: so they can use it. Yeah, yeah. And just as far as um, setting, I should say. I mean, you're you're at Sunny Hills High School, or that's where you're the advisor of the accolades staff, which is in California, where uh, COVID nineteen positive rates are are still really high. There's still immense concern uh, in that community. It sounds like.
1: Yes. Well, we're in Orange County, so LA County took the brunt of it. Um, Mm -hmm. Orange County then started showing more cases, I would say, around November time. So that's when the whole Thanksgiving, supposedly, the theory was that a lot of, you know, uh, people were gathering and families during Thanksgiving break. And so that's why when we um, came back to Thanksgiving break, those numbers started getting higher in early December. And that's where even like my students, my other classes, some of them stopped they were like, they were signed up to come to class and their parents decided to hold them back at home because of the, those increasing cases. And that's why the, the district then decided also to, um, you know, uh, in January to just go back to distance learning instead of running the risk of having to come back, you know, uh, in hybrid. But the, the funny thing was that when we were working on our PDF issue, which was scheduled for, um, uh, which came out eventually on, on a Monday, I think December 18th on a Monday or 21st, but um, the uh, the we were doing an article about what's going to happen the spring semester. You know, we were interviewing the assistant principal, asking her like, "Are we going to be in hybrid or be distance learning?" And she said to us, "We're going to be in hybrid at this point." Yeah. And then um, it just so happened that after the PDF issue came out, the board met, and then the board decided that it be you know they would be going back to uh, distance learning. And so that's why I believe on our website, or no, that's the good thing about having a news website, online yeah. website. We we put a little notification that you know this story uh, the board changed it so that now we're missing morning. Um.
0: How much uh, how much of that dynamic has there been with um, chasing and updating and 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 trying to perfectly time uh, you know your articles about the pandemic or your articles about what kind of decisions are being made um, for the high school just like you said you had in in December, but it sounds like you guys have gone kind of back and forth between hybrid in-person, online only, and all of these things. So a lot changes. What is that like as a journalism advisor and for your students to try to chase that news?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, A lot of it is prep work, I actually, during our our class sessions, um, I would then, you know, talk to the editor-in-chief and say, hey, um, you know, these are things that might be coming down the tube. So we need to think about a plan for who's going to be covering this. So I leave it up to the editor to discuss it to see, okay, do we want to cover this potential late-breaking thing or not? If we do, then who should be writing, writing about it? Uh, an example of it is like, for example, um, we, have, we have an IB program, International Baccalaureate program on our campus. We have a lot of students in the advanced placement program. And so I've been telling my students to okay, my editors, okay, you guys need to find an editor or a reporter to be in charge of um, these kind of stories because the College Board might be making an announcement soon about how they're going to handle AP testing because mm-hmm. that's happening again. And right now the numbers are still, you know, it's leveled a little bit, but who you knows? We still don't know what's going to happen with the vaccinations and anything. So I told them same thing with the IB test, like you know, you need to keep an eye out on. What's going to happen with that? Like, somebody should, if anything breaks and somebody needs to cover it. Uh, and then also, with just like, for example, today, I found out from the Washington Post that the College Board decided to get rid of the subject test, the subject um, test, and then the writing, the essay, the, the optional essay test. Mm. And then they're going to do something, they're, they're planning on doing something digital with the regular SAT test, which is instead of just pencil and paper, that was the only thing that the Washington Post article mentioned. And I so I, I we use a, another communication format called Slack. And mm-hmm. so, um, I slacked my editors and chief said, hey, this is an interesting thing to keep an eye out for so that we'll be ready to go. And also, it just so happens that we have another um, writer who's been working on a column about his experience trying to take the SAT and all mm-hmm. the times it's been canceled. You know, he's, he's, his, his parents spent all this money um, paying for his tutoring and everything over the summer, and he still hasn't been able to take it yet. And so that's why, you know, I told them that, hey, you may have to update it again now <laughs> because you may have to include in your column, like how do you feel about the college board making this decision about maybe going, getting rid of pencil and paper and doing digital. And, you know, so, so yeah, and so that's a, a good example of how we've had to make some adjustments in terms of, it's not in terms of our school administration, but in terms of mm-hmm. the bigger picture of the college board, you know, and then with, with the school administration, it's interesting because um, we've been trying to lobby for the principal to allow our photographers to take pictures of sports practices. Mm. And so at the beginning of the semester, uh, he didn't allow that unless the player, unless the player on the team was, uh, was part of our staff. And he can take pictures of, as long as the coach allows him to. So then mm. uh, just recently, the principal said it was okay. So we had our photographer go out there. And then the photographer was turned away by the coach. And so then we had to learn. So it's sort of a lesson. That I think we all learned that perhaps we should have contacted the coach ahead of time and say, Hey, the principal said we can come out here. Would it be okay if we do this? Because I, I guess in hindsight, I forgot that the editor-in-chief mentioned that the, as long as the coach said, it's still okay, then we can take pictures. So, uh, but yeah, so that's where we mm-hmm. have to, you know, replan and, have the photographers, you know, talk to the AD have the director or talk to the coach and get all that stuff streamed out so that hopefully we can take pictures because, because right now with sports, you know, they're not there's no sports, right? And yeah. so but we we do want to take like wild art, you know, like you know, feature type photos of them working out for other feature stories that we're producing for the sports section.
0: That's so interesting. What what has that uh uh, been like obviously that's a recent um, example of, of taking photos of these sports practices being turned away by the coach but you know talking to um, other teachers and, and things like that and journalism advisors like that, you know through this whole pandemic and this whole different type of schooling situation there's there's definitely been a sort of I feel like some kind of a panic or like an I don't know um, as far as you know, we, we can't take pictures of anybody because we aren't allowed to go anywhere, or we don't have access to people to interview. So, how did you guys generally have to adapt, um, you know, starting whatever way back in, in March? And, and how has that, um, how have you guys worked through that all this time to continue to produce great content?
1: Yeah, I, I think in terms of primarily a sources. And so what we've done, we've we've used our Slack channel and created a, a source channel where, if a reporter had trouble finding sources for a story, then the reporter would post in that Slack channel for all the staff to see that hey, I'm, I need to talk to any I need to talk to a sophomore who is in this situation. Mm. So then the whole staff would see, and then they would be able to try to help out that way by by responding back and giving a name and contact info. Uh, another way we're, we've been doing besides that that is um, and that's something that I I didn't think of because I'm not as much in the social media as many of my students are but Uh they started using like Instagram and they started like posting like sourcing requests they would say like hey if anyone fits into the situation please um, contact Uh me and so we would love to interview you for the story and so and when I found out that they did that I thought that's great you know, I'm so glad that you did that because I would never have thought of that, you know, and and that's where they got a lot of sources that way. Uh, And then um, they've also used, uh, like they've also posted like survey questions through uh, Instagram as well to try to, again, generate interest to see uh, whether we should write about this story or not, or to, again, to follow up based on the survey results to see if anyone would like to then talk about it. So those are those are all very important. Uh, the the teachers, though, I, what I what we've experienced is that uh, it's been more challenging for to try to get teachers to talk. We've, we've noticed because, again, they, they're all so busy and mm-hmm. and especially a lot of teachers don't um, are more leery about talking about like our distance learning situation or our hybrid learning situation because um, they because again it's becoming such a political. Issue like you know, if oh, they wow. were to say I don't like it, or if, I, or if they were to say I like it, then they might be pegged in a certain way. So, we, we did a um, uh, we did a, a, a like an article, an online article when we when the board voted to start hybrid learning, we, we posted an article right after the meeting, and which is something that we're trying to do to you know improve our timeliness. And we made it a go that hey, if we're gonna go if the, the board votes hybrid. Then we should get this posted, you know, right away. And so mm-hmm. we we posted that story the next day, and we got a lot of views on that story and a lot of responses. And some of the private forums from adults, like, uh, you know, like they have these those neighborhood forums, like like next door or something like that. Mm-hmm. They they started, you know, posting like linking our story and also talking about it. And then um, in my conversations with teachers, you know, some of them were saying like, because we quoted certain teachers. Who were at the board meeting? Who who talked about how horrible hybrid learning would look like? You know, and and um and then we quoted some parents who said, you know, we, you know, our 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 students, our children need to be there, um and they're suffering because they're not there, and but then some of the teachers felt that we they they, they interpreted our story as favoring those parents more than the teachers, you know, and so they they sort of became more leery that that they don't, they, they were more cautious about wanting to talk about things. So when, when my staff would go and try to interview them, uh, they didn't hear back from them just so that I would, our policies usually, if they don't respond, then uh, let me know, forward me your email to them so I can then see it, so I can forward that to them myself and ask, oh, you know, this student tried to reach you, can I ask you why I didn't respond? You know, and okay. so based on doing some of those, I, I found out that 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 more teachers were, were hesitant. You know, especially like the teacher that we quoted from the board meeting who described this really horrible scenario oh. that would happen during hybrid learning. Um, you know, we went to go, we did another story, uh, and we went to go to go interview her and she said, No, I don't I'm not interested, I don't want to talk about it anymore, you know. So so mm. yeah, so those so those were some of the challenges in terms of teachers, you know.
0: Yeah, and, and when when um, when was like, like that story, like when did that relationship with teachers start to sour in that way because as a result of that?
1: I, I think it was probably, like I said, after the article came out in November. Okay, November. Know, and then that's when, yeah, uh-huh, so that's when we, um, we started noticing more teachers being more hesitant, you know, but, but I think we do have some that were, are still willing to talk about other things, <laughs> you yeah. know. But, but like we're doing a feature about a, a, uh, this, um, one of our class our secretaries or'm sorry one of our tech people, and he, she's playing on return, like you know leaving her position early, and we're doing a feature about her because she's involved in so many things on campus, and so teachers are willing to talk about that, you know, but I think when it comes down to hybrid learning and all that stuff it's become a touchy issue for many of them
0: nah. Yeah, they'll, they'll always talk about the good news stuff, but uh, not so much the bad news. I was gonna say, or I was gonna ask, I should say, um, you know, how much have, have you had to um, sort of step in and intervene or play a role, like you said, in following up with these teachers and saying, why won't you talk to my student? What do you tell the teacher then at that point? Because it, it, at the ground floor of all this, these, these are learning opportunities this is education of, of learning journalism what do you approach the teacher to do?
1: Yeah so I I think it's a very sensitive issue because I'm also a teacher yeah and so I don't do, um, you know I don't want to um, you know uh, I don't want to say anything that would ruin our friendship and our relationship because I do know a lot of t- a lot of teachers on our campus what, what we what we've done as a background what we do on our campus for our newspaper, staff is that whenever we have new teachers we always have our our staff writers write a feature article about new teachers Mm -hmm. it's not just a blurb you know or anything like that it's a a long piece and so um and so that's so usually what we do is um i i would be the one in the past who would reach out to the teachers just to explain to them that hey we're doing a feature article about you and it's usually for those who are hired like in the summer before the school year starts Mm -hmm. so that way i can let them know that hey you're gonna get an email from one of my staffers and they got your email or they got your number, phone number, and that's because and the principal secretary gave it to us and it sort of gives an explanation. And then, so that way, I, in that sense, I know the staff really well, they all know me. And so that's why um, I have to really be careful with how I approach it. And so the, the instance, I, the one example that I mentioned earlier with that was a teacher who was quoted in that November story about our, our district going back or starting hybrid. Um, you know, she wasn't responding to uh, the email request for interviews. So I had to go to her classroom because we were in hybrid learning. So I walked over to her classroom to see, so I can, I can talk to her about uh, why is, you know, what's going on, you know? And then surprisingly, when I got there, she wasn't there. And, and it was, um, it actually, her sub was there. And because some teachers on our campus were able to get like, uh, like uh, an exception to be allowed to stay at home for, for for um, health reasons, you know, health-related reasons. I didn't know that, and so the so I was I was surprised to find out that she, for for her to describe the situation about how horrible hybrid learning was, and she was able to get out of it to not be there to be still teaching from home, you know. So and and so that's so that's where I w- I found that oh man, you know, it's like, you know, I don't I want to make sure I'm, I'm I have to be careful because we don't want to mm-hmm. point that out too much because then that's going to make her look even bad, you know, worse. So. So, I, so I, I joined one of her Zoom sessions for that period because that was my free period, my conference period. So I joined her. I asked one of her students, would you mind if I put my face here in front of your Zoom <laughs> window so I can use the teacher because I can't talk to her. You know? and, so, and so he was, the student was willing, willing to let me do that. So, hey, hi, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt your class, but I just wanted to ask <laughs> you a quick question. And, you know, and, and that's where I had to you know, make it quick because I know she needed to teach, you know. Um, so, but that's the challenge, right? When we're all when she was, when she wasn't there, and I, I asked her, like, "Hey, we sent you some emails." She said, "Yeah, I don't want to talk about it." I Said, "Okay." I think usually if she was actually there physically, she would usually be able to tell her students to work on something so I can maybe talk to her more. But mm-hmm. because it's a Zoom thing, and I just felt like I didn't want to, you know, intrude anymore, because um, she didn't expect me to show up to begin with in the <laughs> Zoom window, <laughs> and so. That's why I figured I'd better just take her no and just move on, you know. So um, so, so, those are some of the, the challenges that we're facing where, uh, where I'm trying, I have to sort of walk the fine line of being a teacher and a colleague, and then as an advisor trying to get information, you know, to help out one of our staff writers because a teacher is not responding.
0: Coming up. Tommy and I talk about how he sets up his classes during virtual learning and the epic challenge of trying to keep students motivated and tuned in during these strange times. Then he talks about his own children, of which he has five, and how they're coping. And now back to Tommy. You, you've you mentioned um Getting into how your class works uh, right now, you've mentioned um, Slack as a a great way that you guys are able to stay in communication beyond just um, whether you get to meet in person or uh, whatever your Zoom meetings are during the day. Tell me uh, how often, uh, you know, let's talk about virtual right now, which you guys are, how often does your class meet via Zoom and, and what are those periods like?
1: Yeah, we meet Monday through Friday. It's a but okay. there's a regular bell schedule just for um, the Zoom or the distance learning uh, period that we're in. It's okay. uh, 30, it's a 40, I think it's like a 40, uh, it's a 48 minute period. Usually it's 50, 70 minutes long. It's like a 10 minute difference of a regular school day, school okay. period. And so, uh, so yeah, so it's just, um, it's just, so it's just regular, just the way that we would normally do our, hmm. our in-class um, periods, uh, with the exception of obviously right at home. Uh, yeah. The one thing that I try to do is I encourage the whole staff to keep their video screens unmuted uh, so that we can all see each other. I, I told my students at the beginning of school year that let's, you know, most of the students tend to keep their video screens muted in other uh, classes. And I told them that, you know, we're gonna to try to establish a family uh, environment here on our staff. Now, even though we can't do that, you know, being physically in the classroom, but one way of doing that is to be comfortable with each other, to unmute your video screen so they can see you. And don't just show your ceiling. You wanna see, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of students show just their, like their forehead, you know, and I tell mm-hmm. them, I want to see all of you. <laughs> because the, the challenging thing is that, you know, a lot of them don't, a lot of the returning staff don't know their new, newcomers, you know, and so they, mm-hmm. they don't know what they look like. You know, they don't even, they're not familiar with their names. So, it's, it's, so we, we, we associate each other by looking at faces more than just names. So that's what we, that's our goal is to always come in with our video screens unmuted for announcements and for questions and things like that. And then... Uh, once announcements are done, uh, then it's up to the editor-in-chief to instruct the rest of the staff to work on their assignments and then to um, keep their screens. Then they can go and mute their screens as long as they're working on their assignments. So, so I think so. Those are some of the some of the things we're trying to do to establish the same traditions or, or formats that we've been doing mm-hmm. pre-COVID-19. Uh, the, the challenge, uh, I, I'm not sure this is your next question, but uh, I'm not sure it's a good segue into the next question too, but I think the challenge that, that, that we're facing that, that I read online in, in the, the, the Journals Education Association listserv that you know motivation is a key is a key issue even with our staff, even though we produce a lot, but we, we, we've, we've had like some students who have produced really good quality work, they, they, they turn things around really fast. They don't take a long time to, to get their, um, their, their stories turned into the editors. But, but there are, are some that are, have been struggling, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, they've, and, and they've, you know, we've had to. And so I, I think going to one of the, the snow sessions actually from the summer that I went to uh, really helped me to know how to respond to that. So I basically told um, the staff that, hey, you know what, um, if you're having trouble, if you're not motivated and you're having issues because of the situation we're in right now of the pandemic, then just, you know, you can Slack me privately or email me and let's have a talk and find out what we can do to get you through. We can, you know, lower your, your caseload for this semester or for however long until you think you're ready to come back, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, but this semester though I have told my students, okay, you know, this is the last semester. So many of you are seniors if you feel like you're gonna take a break, then you gotta let me know. So we can find out whether like, should you still be in the class still? Because now you wanna make sure that our outgoing seniors are good examples to our our, our up and coming juniors and sophomores that are in the class. We're gonna be editors, you know? And so if they set a bad example and it's just not do anything, then they could follow that too. So that's why um, this semester, I told them that we need to now get ready for passing the baton on and so we need you to be able to stay focused, and you can't, then you need to talk about alternatives for you then, you know.
0: Oh man, I can't imagine how bad senioritis could get this this spring with, uh, you know, being like all virtual, and, and kind of having that loose string. <laughs> yeah. um, you mentioned motivation, and that's a that, that brings up a, another question. I imagine that uh, a big concern with motivation has to be for the newcomers to the class. Like, so let's talk about this fall, you know, when you are, let's say, bringing in some new students to journalism, but you're all virtual, there's not, you know, obviously there's not that socialization um, period or, or anything necessarily like that, where they can, you know, befriend people and, and the staff can, uh, you know, build up its camaraderie. So how did you, how did you handle that? Or, or um, how do you continue handling that?
1: Yeah, so the, the thing about our program is that we have a beginning journalism class, which is a different period. So it's the period before. And so um, in that beginning journalism class, um, twice a year, like once in the fall, once in the spring, um, those students work with the current staff members on a cub issue. So on like a uh, yeah, it's like a, a an issue that they actually will write articles for, and so um so we did that in the fall and then in the spring because of the pandemic you know March it we decided to you know get rid of the um, the cub issue per se that the hard copy for cub issue and then mm-hmm. change it into an online one where then you know they would work on online articles uh, for that and so they were able to work with some of the uh, ju- at that point junior. Um, editors, so then who will become senior editors this year? So they they knew they knew about them a little bit. Um, it's just the 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 new crop of like photographers, illustrators that we have are the ones that we they didn't know because we didn't work with them as much. So so right. the challenge of getting to know them and it's I, I, part of it is just through Slack we have to tell them and then you know this is who they are. We also tried like introducing ourselves um, at the beginning of school year where we. Uh, unmuted our video screens that I mentioned before and said, "Okay, this is so and so and the staff and so forth." So I think with that, then the the newcomers because they already had experience working with you know the accolade staff members in the previous semester, they were able to be more comfortable, uh, you know, doing what they needed to do, um, and that's why surprisingly we had a few students who were really on it, and that's what one of them eventually we promoted that one student, the new staff member. To uh, an assistant feature editor this semester because of her motivation of getting all, all her work done so quickly and 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 willing to you know make you know revisions in her copy and just try to improve her writing. So so it's, it's so there's a there's a, there's a good thing. There's, there's sort of a pro and cons to what happened with the pandemic, but um we but I, there's still a wish that more of them would be there's a minority the smaller there's a smaller number of people like that. But and so uh, actually, this last weekend, I I slacked this one student who we, we promoted to become the assistant teacher, and I said, "Hey, can you share me? Can you, would you be willing to share your secret to motivations with the staff so And we can all? So the rest of the people can sort of get a part of your." So I'm I'm going to go and talk about that with her more later this week to sort of see if she's willing to share that with the rest of the staff, so that hopefully they can catch her, and get her secret, you know.
0: That's great. It seems like. You know, in in different situations, it seems like the, these teenagers, these students, have been so adaptable to this uh, pandemic and the way that school has changed.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and it's um, again, it's so so. This is where um, talking about motivation again, and some who are able to stay motivated, and some not. These are things that I've had to, I have had conversations now with my editor in chief too. Like, okay. Um, this semester, we've gone through it one semester. Now we've seen the highs and lows of the motivation level. Um, should we, what should we do this semester? Should we do some like, you know, fun Friday activities? Because we've we heard of some other advisors who do games and stuff. Are we the kind of culture that would handle that? Or is that too, too, too fun for them? <laughs> it might be, or so we're trying to figure that out. And then um, should we, because we have at our school, they have something called Go Guardian. It's a way to, it's sort of a way for teachers to see what our students are doing on their Chromebooks because uh, our school issues every student Chromebooks that we can see what they're doing. And so I told the editor-in-chief, okay, are we at that point where when we tell students to work on their assignments, should we let them know that, okay, Mr. Lee, your advisor can see what you're doing on your screens. So if you are not doing your assignments, then we need to talk. So those are some things that I mentioned to my editor-in-chief last week. And, and then we're going to be talking about it more this week, later this week to see what we're going to do. Are we going to go, which, which methods are we going to try to try to, you know, um, motivate our staff more? And so we're still trying to find different ways.
0: Yeah.
1: How big is your staff? So, so yeah, so that's a good question because uh, um, <clears throat> our, our goal is to have uh, a large number, as many as we can get. Uh, not that we're desperate, but because uh, the way that our public school works is that um, if an elective class doesn't have a certain number of students, mm-hmm. then the administrator will close that class or combine or collapse or right. combine it with another class. So um, <clears throat> so I have a beginning journalism class and I have the advanced class. And, and a, a, while, a long time ago, they had to combine those classes together mm-hmm. because of the low numbers in both classes so uh, so we've learned the lesson is that if we don't pack those classes especially the advanced one then they can't combine it then you know Mm -hmm. so um so that's why so we've been having so ever since i came back as an advisor in 2017 um our goal was to um uh, uh increase numbers and so we've now gone from like you know 20 something we have like around 40 43 44 students uh in the class um although and again, this is what happened, They, they because my beginning journalism class uh, didn't have as high numbers as the administrator would want, we had to go and pull some of the students from that advanced class into that beginning class. Mm. And so, um, so we had to make a decision to put some of the artists and like our videographer there, um, because you know we felt it was easier to do it that way since they um, are not as like completely involved in the content in terms of written, content we can afford to put our graphics editor and our videographer there. Um, so then they can independently work on assignments instead. So, so we have had to do that. So our, our, our full staff for the advanced journalism class is a little bit split by like six people. And so six people have been transferred into the beginning class, but, 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 uh, but our goal is to keep making sure that we have high numbers so that way we can uh, continue to keep those two classes separate. Um, our school is the only school in our district uh, that has two separate classes, two separate journalism classes, a beginning and an advanced. And so, and it's so vital to have two separate ones. So that way we can train those beginning students to be ready for the advanced level. It's just, it's too schizophrenic for me to teach both classes at the same time. (laughs) I know other advisors do and I I give them kudos for doing it, but I I just, I tried it it. It's just too much. So, you know,
0: and it's not uh, problematic for those students that you move from advanced into that beginner class. It's not a, a, a difference in the content that they would learn. Is that not an issue then?
1: Yeah, so what happens is that because of Zoom, we just put them, I just put them in a breakout room. Oh yeah. So, yeah. so I tell them, so at the beginning of the period, I, I, we make announcements and I say, okay, and, and one of the people there is the managing editor for our online, one of our co-online managing editors, she ended up having to be there so I told, I just have her say, okay, okay, you're in charge of these people. And so when I put them in a breakout room, there's any announcements or anything like that, or the editor-in-chief needs you to communicate anything. Um, you need to go and talk to them, or if I need to communicate anything, then here's what you need to tell them. So I just put them in a breakout room while I teach the other journalism students. And so every so often, I will get my beginning journalism students busy. So I can join uh, some of the advanced journalism students to talk to them, mm-hmm. ask them questions, give them feedback
0: about some of the things that they produce. So Okay. Okay. Interesting. You mentioned you have a daughter in your class. Um, I'd love to ask, you know, how has this uh, pandemic been like for you as a parent of, of a student in school?
1: Yeah, it's 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 a really good question because I actually have five children. (laughs) So uh, my oldest is a senior now, and um, so she, the pandemic, and you know, didn't affect her as much. She she actually took on some new hobbies like guitar playing, and 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 so she was she's she was eager to go to school when we did hybrid learning. She really liked you know being like she wasn't like some students who went to school for hybrid learning. They looked around there's only two other students here in this class. <laughs> and so they would tell their parents, can I just stay home and stay? But for yeah. her, she, wasn't, she was really you know, eager to be in the classroom because she wasn't as much of a social-minded person where she needed a, a group of students around her. She really enjoyed the interaction of having a physical teacher in front of her and learning that way. So for her, I, it really, I was really impressed with her that she handled it pretty well. Uh, my second daughter, who's a sophomore right now, um, she's in my beginning journalism class. Um, she's had it more challenging because, again, she has more of a social nature. And so she, um, you know, missed having friends, physical friends around her when yeah. we we're doing distance learning. But, uh, and she gets, she can get distracted easily with her device, but she's hanging in there. <laughs> so, yeah. but, and then my third son, who's a freshman this year, um, I've seen the, the biggest, you know, that's that's where I can sympathize with a lot of the parents seen their children get unmotivated and and having emotional issues and i Mm -hmm. I didn't know that in him until the school year started you know and and he uh every year we do like a christmas newsletter or like a a journalism thing where we do a newsletter and each one of them writes and reflects on the year and and he and he wrote and it was incredible that he wrote about how he because he because he 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 didn't get a promotion from eighth grade Mm -hmm. and so um and so we were, my wife and I we were making sure that he's okay about it. And I think he was okay. But then I think in his reflection, I can tell from his tone that he, even though he's not that kind of a social person but something has clicked in him to realize that this is not a fun. This is not like enjoyable to be on the screen the whole time. And so he, he's, been, he's been struggling more than all my other five kids. My other two, the other one is in seventh grade. This is a first year of middle school. And and in, in the area that I live in, our district, um, they opened up you know, they have classes and so they have hybrid learning and so they haven't stopped that. And so she's really enjoyed going um, to school the days that she goes. She's doing well. My youngest is in uh, fourth and fifth grade and he goes to school every day, every weekday and he's, in, he's doing well. So it's interesting how it changes for, for different people.
0: All right, Tommy, well, I want to let you get back to work. Um, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Um, I'd love to catch up with you and talk more uh, down the line maybe another time. Journalism 101 is a production of School Newspapers Online. The music in this episode comes from Pixabay. My interview with Tommy was recorded via Zoom. The episode was edited on Audacity and uploaded through Anchor FM. You can find more episodes and subscribe to hear future episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. There's no homework today. We'll see you next time.